gentlemen welcome to another episode of bobcast with you as always is bob live in the lounge staring at the ouija board when i hear a hit song i know it's a hit right off the bat you know how i can tell if it's a hit i can tell because i feel something inside my body underneath my skin you know like pulling towards the speaker you know it's got that motown type feel to it that makes me feel happy it makes me feel like when I was a DJ and I used to drop the beat where everybody was like, mm, I'm getting up there and I'm dancing tonight. You know, I can't, there's no way I'm not going to get out there and do something. It's got this beats per minute, you know, I listened to it several times and uh, it's a first where I can hear a new song. And then that exact same day podcast with the person who created the track. So with that being said, I'm totally stoked to have Dakota Dayok here tonight in the lounge. What's going on? You did a wonderful job, sir. Thank you so much. Wonderful job. It. You do all the production. You could do me a favor too and get right up on there and kiss that microphone. You could press your uh, face up on it because it's a cardio. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I got you. There got you that go. polar now pattern. I see it. Now I see that fat audio. You know, isn't it weird how you have to see that as an audio engineer? You're like, ah. Where? Hey, that gives you the confirmation. Did you ever record something? You're like, ah, oh, it's the greatest take. And then you go back and you're like, yeah, I didn't record it right. There uh, is something to be said about recording. Oh, so many times. I mean, there's many times where I go into a track and I'll have the perfect take and it's either I'm not recording or the recording's clipping or too quiet. Mm -hmm. And I just have to get the, the level set. Shouldn't be doing that beforehand. But yeah. I just like to go in the moment and just kind of shred over it. So, like, you are now a student at Temple University, and now you are pursuing a career in audio engineering, and I'm going to be honest, you're going to get a job, man, because that was probably the best track I heard sonically, too. I mean, in speakers, you know, like, oh, coming yeah. through. At work, I've got great speakers, and uh, it sounded right there. Like, all your DBs, too, were, like, were right at the perfect level. And not many people take time to do that, you know what I mean? Like, they don't mix properly, and I was just on the podcast just a, a go. Uh, we were talking about how a good producer is also an engineer and also a mixer. You know, it's like, oh yeah, uh, how do you have three? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You gotta be a jack of all trades. You have to be. Excuse us as the guests from last night's podcast come down the stairs. <laughs> no, you gotta be a jack of all trades. You gotta, you know, you have to write everything first, and then as you're sitting down at your audio workstation, mm -hmm. you gotta just kind of. I don't know. I think that it kind of varies from person to person. But for me, when I sit down and record, one of my favorite things is actually getting in there and, you know, turning up the dials, even if it's just like a little bit, mm -hmm. like just getting those perfect dials in. It's literally my favorite thing. What's your favorite way to record bass? It depends on how I'm feeling. I normally do um, just cable in right into the interface. Mm-hmm. And then I mix it from there, but I have mic'd bass amps and it really just depends on the hardware I'm using. Like if I got a good amp, I'm going to use that amp. Yeah. It's really hard to like, uh, the amps are really, they really make the bass come alive in these new types of mixes. You know what I mean? But, uh, as recording with, uh, amps go, yeah, it's so hard, man. Even like oh, yeah. a, when a buzz comes in or something, oh my God, it's a nightmare. You know what I mean? Uh, I've been in studios before where it's it's uh, just the tiniest little mistake makes everything mm. sound dry. You know what I mean? Like as far as recording bass from amps and stuff go. But uh, it's a difficult process. What about guitar? Same way? You want to use the amp? Guitar, again, it's kind of like the same situation. I feel like, you know, since I do everything in my house, I don't necessarily have the best space for mm -hmm. recording. But if I find a really nice, you know, sound coming out of the amp mm -hmm. i'm gonna use that as opposed to just a direct input into my interface what look okay so like let's go back further now when did you get the bug when did you get the bug to perform and be a musician 
What was the moment where you're like, oh, this is me? Well, I mean, I picked up guitar and drums when I was in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. But at that point in time, it was still just like a hobby. It was Mm -hmm. something I just enjoyed doing. I started getting the bug, actually, when my friend Corey Lutz, Mm -hmm. he was uh, getting a band together to perform at PW. And... I was in sixth grade at the time. He was a senior and he was like, hey, we need a drummer. You want to come play? And I was like, yeah. you know what? Why not? Let's give it a shot. And then from that point on, I just, I'm fiending for it. Love the energy. Love playing. They say it is the greatest dopamine release to perform on stage. Oh and my it God. it's true. Yeah. Like, uh, if you enjoy, if you're a musician who enjoys it, say for instance, uh, Freddie Mercury, whose birthday is today, he'd love performing. You know what I mean? He'd love being out there doing his thing. Might be the best to ever do it, honestly. He yeah. kills it. He kills it. Nails it. Like uh, the performance at, you know, Live Aid. Song choices, great, you know? Everything I, was perfect. I love the fact that he's got lots of stuff on top of his piano, too. It's not all neat and feng shui, you know? He's got Coke cups, you know, beer, everything, you know what I mean? Like, he just did things his way, you know? Unfortunately, you know, we lost him. But I'm sure it looks good. <laughs> I kind of wonder where he'd be at right now if he was still alive. Because he was, his talent was just taken mm-hmm. way too early. I saw Queen in concert about now maybe a month ago or maybe mm-hmm. three weeks ago. And uh, it was the most crowd I've ever seen the Wells Fargo Center ever. And uh, it was the most uh, heavily seated concert I've ever seen because everybody's <laughs> older. And I totally understood that. Oh, yeah. But the, the sound was great. And Brian May, he did this thing where it was a guitar solo in space. They made him look like he was projected into like a you know the far deep outer parts of the galaxy and like he as the guitar so the rose he rose like it looked it was weird like effect but it was magical dude but uh i was glad that i got to hear him play guitar oh yeah that must have been great his tone has always been so good yeah tone's great you know just it's all about tone really Mm -hmm. that's one thing some musicians i play with that just have no percent like super talented no perception of tone or they just can't hear it or maybe they're you know not into it as much i'm not sure you know i don't know i feel like brian may was always one of those guitarists where no matter what song he's doing he's gonna have that tone dialed Mm -hmm. in and like there are some other artists where it's you know it's a hit or miss like sometimes they're there sometimes they're not but he's always Mm -hmm. on point definitely yeah i mean i've never heard him hit a flat note really i mean like maybe like a flub here and there i see for me i actually love when a band makes a mistake um, I feel that I did actually think I heard something uh, during the concert during the, the ending Bohemian Rhapsody because it gets it goes to the crescendo you know it's just so loud and then like it's it got to be hard to hear yourself even with in your monitors or something but I love mistakes uh, when I watch musicians perform live that I like you know I saw Motley Crue once and they uh, started two different songs at once <laughs> it was awesome I feel like when they make mistakes it adds just an element of i guess this might not be the right word but like personality like Mm -hmm. it you know you don't always have to sound like the recording and it makes you sound like you know you're you're just people you're gonna make you're gonna make mistakes Mm -hmm. it's gonna be great either way though and most of the time even those little mistakes the audience really doesn't care they're there to see you and they're just loving the moment Yeah, they just love the moment i love uh going to concert i didn't go to concerts for a while i start going now again i guess like two years ago go and experience it but yeah i mean performing on stage though is such a uh man i had some shows where the dopamine that was coming out of me was just ridiculous man you know when i played the world cafe live i think in 2008 and like we did two encores maybe it was the first time i ever did two in my life and like it was just wild man it was such a surge and then they come off stage and it's just like you're, you're all the way up here at the top and they're shoo, like you got to come down. It's so hard to come down sometimes, you know, and that's why many musicians, I believe, become drug addicts and they become, you know, alcoholics and stuff like that because it's, a, it's the lifestyle. It's weird. Nothing fills that void of being on stage. No, not at all. You know, once you play in front of like thousands of people, just, you know, I guess do you think some become numb to it. Some, yeah. I guess, though, right? Oh, yeah. Who do you think is the most numb out there to it? The most numb? Huh. Honestly, I feel like if I'm going to go off uh, recent documentaries I've watched, mm-hmm. I feel like Kiss. 
Kiss uh, yeah, is pretty numb to point. it. That's um, a very good point. Definitely uh, Kiss. Gene Simmons in general. Yeah, he's he's just very rude to his fans and in general, and it's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had, and then like they were like doing tours where it wasn't the original lineup. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't even know, man. You I got, feel you like something on your skin, bro. <laughs> what happened? She got a little paint. What do you put? Water ain't gonna do nothing on paint. You need rubbing alcohol. <laughs> Mickey, who do you think is the most numb to like stardom? Like they get on stage and they're just like, <sighs> you know, I I don't care about this at all. I'm numb. Of all time. Of all, t- uh, or currently, or you know, all time, whatever you want. I mean, y'all mentioned Queen Boy. That's pretty hard to. to you think he him. didn't love it? No, he, he was definitely. Oh, he just would go out there and just now. Oh, who didn't care? Who didn't care? Yeah. I saw um, what's his name perform. Once. Truly care. It's interesting because Kiss really performs like they care, yeah. but they're really acting. To be per yeah. Se. I don't know. They were charging five hundred dollars once for an autograph. My dad said. Really? Um, I I can't really think of it. It's a really good. You probably have the best one. I mean, I've heard, but I mean, they're just. I, I don't know. Like, I never got it. I mean, I get it that people love Queen. Excuse me, Kiss and. I just didn't like hearing about some of the stuff that he did as a business person. And unfortunately, music comes with that too, as well as like the whole notion, you know, like we were saying the, on the last episode where it's like you make all these new jobs up. Mm-hmm. We were just saying too earlier tonight, producer, engineer, mixer. I mean, like you got to have a manager, you got to have a publicist, you got to have, you know what I mean? It's like, huh? What? You know? Yeah. All this, the machine and then the marketing. And then the way that the music industry did the 360 deal, that to me was just like, oh, it was the worst. It was about 10 years ago now almost. That was the deal that was out there and basically means that you, the record company owns your shirts, your stickers. There's no Kiss memorabilia. You know what I mean? There's no money coming in that way. So hmm. they would get a cut of it. And they offered that to lots of bands and they took it, you know? Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it happens, you know? But... I just wish that I lived in a different age, had a band in a different age. I feel that 100%. I don't really wish that I was uh, living then, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just wish that I was, like, when my band came out, like, there was no music scene. There wasn't, I'll be honest. I mean, there's the Strokes, stuff like that. You know, it was all different things coming out at once, but the one thing that was current was the new wave of pop. Mm -hmm. And pop music really had taken over the early thousands and then numbed out in the mid-thousands, you know? Then you start hearing different stuff or whatever, but... I wish that I was like in like the like either late sixties or late seventies or like early nineties. One hundred percent. I'd say for me, I'd like to be I'd like to have a band in like the early seventies. Yeah. Because like, everything is just everything's fair game. Mm-hmm. There's so much experimenting that you could have done and you know, people all these bands are always coming up with new things. I and they're hungry it, for the music too. Exactly. See the thing it's it's hard for a musician. To, to, it's like a binary like relationship. You need an audience to have a musician, I feel, in a way. And if the audience is giving back what you need, the musician becomes better, you mm-hmm. know? In the late 60s, people craved music because they didn't have this. I'm picking up my cell phone. They didn't have entertainment at their disposal so quickly. They needed to go out to experience things. Yep. My generation was the last generation to experience that. There was nothing to do on the internet. There was no recording in uh, Adobe Audition in a you know little small studio in Country <laughs> Hawking. You know what I mean? There was none of this, and uh, I missed that too. And same thing with the like this late seventies with punk rock and stuff. Like I always felt there was the Sex Pistols, the Clash, and you know like that's all you ever really heard about. You know, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of other punk bands, but I'm like, what? Where's the other ones? You know? And there's X and stuff like that, but I mean something about that movement and like the spirit of punk rock. And then when it came back in the nineties and then I always thought like growing up, like, Oh my God, it's, it, you know, this is what the, like at the beginning of the decade in 90, 91, 92, there's Nirvana Pearl Jam. The end of the decade, there's NSYNC, there's Kid Rock. There's yeah. all this like, it's drastic amalgamation of just different stuff coming out that didn't, it, it made music, not have an identity i think that's what my original point was and it's so weird to think too it's like like wait i don't 
I mean, there's a few albums that came out that, yeah, are definitely classics in my opinion. I really liked um, Morning View when Incubus did that. Like, uh, that was I thought that one. was their best album. Uh, and there's a couple other things that have been sprinkled throughout, but I mean, like, the spirit of rock and roll, though. You know what I mean? And, like, also, like, you know, Motown and funk. I was happy when Bruno Mars started doing stuff like that. I was like, okay, people oh, are yeah. starting to feel good again. You know, it's not this like, like I, I like some of the trap stuff, but when it gets too fast with the beats per minute, I, I, I get lost. I think Bruno Mars is probably the most, uh, I feel like he just reaches such a wide variety of audiences mm-hmm. because of that, like, motown element that he has i feel like if i were to pick someone to collaborate with from like modern music it would probably be him that's the direction i think you should take your music in that's the most uh, feasible way for the audience to to get it you're doing well on spotify you know oh yeah and um i think that people really like this new single which drops today you know it's very exciting i can't wait for you guys to hear it i'm literally like ecstatic Let's take a listen to it right now here on the Bobcast.
What did I tell you, ladies and gentlemen? It's a great track, dude. It's got all the elements of, you know, just feeling good. It's a shame summer's over because, I, you know, this is a feel-good anthem. A lot of people have told me that. And, you know, I guess I wish I could have released it earlier, mm-hmm. but I'm a perfectionist at heart. Gotta make sure everything's oh, right. No, you picked the right time. You know why? Because everyone's going back to school. It's, it's also a great time. People need new things. They need new uh, things to listen to. Get through those study sessions. Nothing like study sessions, man. I miss uh, being in school. School's fun. I went to the temple. This is uh, the third time. Welcome, Mickey, my assistant, <laughs> this evening to the table. Co-host. Talking about music production. Talking about Temple University. Talking about the Hawks. I graduated from Temple in 2004. They're the Hawks, right? No, yeah, Owls. Temple Owls, bro. You're a Temple Owl and you called yourself a Hawk? Dude, this is my second podcast today, okay? So, I mean, I'm a little loose, okay? I'm a little loose. I'm a little off the cuff, okay? Owls, Hawks, they both fly. But the difference is, is that an owl is the only type of bird that invades others' nests. They never make the room. And I learned that from actually, no, the Court of Owls and Batman. Get the facts mm-hmm. straight there, quasi. Say? Huh? Is Patterson going to be I, in Court of Owls? Is that what they're going to do? I hope that they don't do that. I'll be honest. We were talking about Batman here. Yeah. Uh, so this is the thing that I hope. Okay, I hope it makes sense. Okay, so Patterson is like 30 years old, right? Joaquin is like 44. You can round that up, give or take, to 15 years. The Bruce Wayne in the trailer... He looks to be about 13, 14, and you could pass off Robert Pattinson for his late 20s. The Joker is the lead-in to Matt Reeves' film. And these guys, like Warner Brothers wouldn't just be like, hey, like they're telling everybody one thing, but I, I, I imagine this is what they would do. This is the way they make the most money. I feel that, yeah. You know? I mean, and I hear a lot of good things about the Joker, too. I know. I, I'm so excited. I didn't, I didn't want to watch the trailer, but I did. I loved it. It was great. So many great moments. I think he's gonna kill it. Oh, it's great. His laugh, the laugh is so on point too, and it's 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 different but yet familiar. You know, I watched some of the footage of uh, the press thing. You see when they had like the eight minute standing ovation. I did not see that actually. So at Venice, they they clapped for eight minutes. Joaquin looked like he was having a panic attack. Let's um, let's replicate an eight minute. Let's clap for eight minutes. Clap for Can eight. You minutes? Imagine clapping for eight minutes. Exhausting. Do you ever smile for eight minutes? No. That's a good point. Smiling for eight minutes. It hurts your face. You've done that? Why would you want to do that? It'd make you look old. Having a good day? <laughs> Very valid point. So the moment that turned you was that you start playing drums and you got the the knife for it, but what was the band? What was the band that started you off? Your favorite? My favorite band that started me off was actually Kiss. Wow. I started listening to them when I was in uh, first grade, second grade. When did you find out that they were corrupt? It took a while. I was, as a young kid, I was very into the uh, theatrics behind it. You I know, do the like theatrics spitting. though. Are um, you interested in doing theatrics for your your music? In some ways, mm-hmm. maybe. Definitely not over the top like some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I not recently, that, but I mean like some sort of uh, you know performance. Because are, are you going to perform? Think that you'll do this like you know electronically? You'll have your stuff in the PA and you'll play guitar, or do you want to start a band? I want to have a band behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are certain elements of my song that you can't really replicate by just you know standing up there with a track. Mm-hmm. You need to have a live band for some of it. Of course, there'll be tracks behind it for um you know electronic drums and stuff like that that i used to accent certain parts but i think in a uh, live band would help actually bring it to life more than i could expect and i think that would really resonate with the crowd too yeah i i agree both ways you know you could do it by yourself if you had to tournament pilots do an amazing job of yeah. music coming out it sounds like you know but I, it's very hard. Mickey and I were in something called Pocketdow where we had to have our stuff playing in the background too as well. And it was a night hit or miss, hit or miss, you know? That's one thing too. It's like hit or miss. Yeah. You always want it to sound the way you want it to sound, you know, when you're practicing. No other hiccups on stage because that's the worst. I guess I like watching people make hiccups, 
but oh when you make them it's the yeah. worst thing yeah i've had some great ones um at the oh, what gig was this this was uh downtown harvest played at the club risque on delaware avenue what? and we played uh we actually played in the side theater and um there was performers on stage and they had a bass amp as a bass amp player out there if you know you're listening you know some clubs don't want you bringing your shit in there it's too big so they had this thing i played it and like three songs in it just starts to crack crack out you know like you know i'm like oh, oh no. jesus then it comes back and then we start playing a song called full circle and like it's really like a big song that you know ends on a couple you know ones and uh my bass just goes out the worst possible moment and then i realized there's nothing i can do i try to fiddle with it but i just acted the whole time i went back and you know some of my friends in the audience knew but the mo most people didn't know but yeah i was I, I couldn't wait to get off stage uh yeah and like that's I, it's funny how i remember too. all those moments not like all the great 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 moments but i feel like that's even worse because it wasn't even like your fault mm -hmm. that was just technical issues it wasn't you like messing up or anything and that has to feel worse than kind of just because oh, you could yeah. be having a great show and your amp cuts out or oh, know, I've, maybe I've messed up lines too as well like uh one time I remember I was just counting in threes, man. I could not for the life of me get my brain to where it needed to be. You know, I was in three the whole day, you know, Chris Wood will tell you, Bobby threes. Look. Yeah. He gave me this look. He'd look over from the hi-hat just like, what the? <laughs> but yeah, I think that like I, I start playing bass, but now I really like him playing drums. Like I started playing drums like two years ago. And uh, at first it was just as a hobby, but now I look forward to it. You oh, know? it's great. It's a great uh, way to get out energy, you know? I like playing along the tracks. What do you um, like playing along to? Um, Like on my iPod, um, I have this like little like uh, old-fashioned 16 gigabyte, like uh, used to just put the iPod down into it, you know, speaker yep. system. The docking system. Right? Yeah, and it's super loud and super convenient because I store it right next to my kick drum and uh, it's facing up on me so I can hear stuff, so... I change up my iPod all the time and there's only a little bit of room. So, I mean, uh, Eddie Grant, Electric Avenue. Um, I like playing to uh, uh, Boogie Shoes, Casey and the Sunshine That's Band. That's fun. I like playing to uh, Miss Fat Booty. Uh, and uh, 21 Pilots, some of their stuff is really hard to do. I have a hard time playing at its small, uh, lower beats per minute. I like the 90 to like 140 range, but anything under it's hard for me like swing and stuff because i got that funk you know mm -hmm. i can't get rid of that funk Funky. so wait did i miss were you talking about that song yeah Early what do you want to say about the new one shake it down we just listened to shake it, it down. Mm -hmm. production is out of sight dude thank you it's like a nebula yeah it's definitely a nebula i do all the production like and uh so i record and i produce it myself and then since I've done it for all my other projects, I used to do all the mastering and everything too. Mm -hmm. But do you know the band OK Go? Yeah. The drummer from that band, Daniel Kanopka, he's actually the one mastering my stuff. Oh, that's weird. I opened for them and I know him, yeah. Yeah. Downtown Harvest opened for them in uh, 2009 or something like that's that. That's crazy. Yeah, the TLA. What's the difference between, you know... He's a good producer. ...producing and mastering? What the heck is mastering? I'll let you take it, bro. So, like, producing is kind of just like you're there facilitating the entire uh, the entire process of actually, you know, recording and getting the tracks into your audio software. Then you have the engineer, which is the person who sits there and dials in all the knobs, gets everything where they need to be, and mixes everything properly. Mastering is just a step above mixing mastering is what gets it radio ready uh you know stream ready all that so what's the gigahertz or dbs for uh streaming is it different uh, than radio i know you would probably know that's right it's different i don't know the exact number but it's also a bit difficult too because different streaming services have different rates so really? like yeah if you um I go through... I've heard that complaint a lot from musicians mm -hmm. that they upload it and they're like, this doesn't sound the same way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get this thing. You're from this area, right? You're from country, right? 
Well, That's I'm awesome. like literally five minutes away. Did so. you grow up around here? Yeah, I'm a Plymouth meeting. Okay, so you know what we're talking about. There's this whole type of speech with like a collection of words where somebody's like, but if I... <laughs> it's like, but if I, but it could be like, ponder if I... <laughs> <laughs> it could literally be anything. That country, like, you know, Montgomery County. I'm from Montgomery County. Okay, this is what I do. Uh, this is the way my life goes. But yeah, I, I find it fascinating. Like, uh, my job, I have to, like, you know, uh, encode a bunch of audio and DVD, like, into, you know, uh, numbers all day long, you know? Yeah. But I have like a formula where it's just a template. I do it all day long. But sometimes I have to convert stuff and it just looks like crap. Video and audio. Audio is the most important thing in the world, dude. Oh my God. You get a yeah. crappy looking video, but if your audio sucks, people don't buy it. It's weird. Now you can't have that like 1950s radio audio. One of my favorite things to do at the job is to uh, like I have to rescore old movies. Oh, that's cool. So I stripped the, the music because it's copywritten and then put like something that I could write it on. You know, Ableton or GarageBand or something. You know, like, and uh, it's fun. I what do you normally? Of... Uh, what do, What's the instrumentation you use? Is it kind of just vary based on the movie, or do you try to do like? Um. Well, yeah, I have like a bunch of sound files for like drama, horror, western. You That's know, good. I've got a lot of. Horror. Uh, yeah, horror is my favorite to to write though. I uh, I got something I could show you after. A the lot podcast. of diminished chords. I just love it, dude. It's just so scary and fun. You know, I love Halloween. It's my favorite time of the year. You know. It's my birthday it's, too. Is it? So. That's sweet, yeah. dude. That's awesome, dude. Your birthday's on Halloween. Mm -hmm. That's the first year on the Bobcast. I'm a spooky baby. That's the best, dude. Mighty spooky. Mighty spooky <laughs> coming. We got also uh, spooky things coming your way. Look at that, man. It's great. Spooky. I love the word spooky, dude. You know, mighty spooky. I people, I used to teach, you know that, and like I, I taught younger kids, and I loved Halloween time. They're like. Mad spooky. <laughs> Kids love Halloween. I love Halloween. It's such a great time, you know. And like the fact that people want to remove Halloween from the thirty first and put it to the last I know. Saturday. That's like taking your birthday, yeah, and you know, throw You're it in the garbage with my birthday. can. They chill. What's up with that? I don't get it, man. With my birthday, like chill. That's the worst, man. So does that mean like you, you like essentially then? I don't know. That's weird. Like then I'm like, not. Yeah. Well, I will have technically been born on Halloween, but my birthday will not never fall on Halloween again. It's like time traveling, you know. That's weird, man. It's very strange. Will, there will eventually be a day. The, that. Yeah, but that's gonna be many years down the road, probably. Yeah. What's the whole point of that anyway? Is it kind of just like the uh, the parents rather have it on a weekend? Or? The parents are a mess, dude. I'm a parent, and I'll tell you that's something. Okay, mess. here's the thing. Okay, when you all invented trunk and treat or treat and trunk or whatever you want to call it, you invited all sorts of criticism into the spirit of Halloween. Why? Because who thought it was a good idea to have strangers open their trunk with candy in it, right? And meet in parking lots where kids can go trick or treat to get them confused. I, I never saw the point in this at all. I know some people do it. They love it. To me, I, I think that's just an issue of safety, especially yeah. speaking from an educator's perspective or former educator's perspective who knows what type of behavior uh, predators go on because kids need to be protected at all times. And that is just bad, dude. And like, yeah, I get it. Like, what you really should do is you should go trick-or-treating with your kid, you know? Always. Don't let your kid go out by themselves. Come on. I mean, like, at least now into the age of like, I don't know, 18. <laughs> There's no way around it, man. There's no way around it. Trunk and treat. A trunk and treat. It's I've never like, heard of the whole trunk and treat thing. Yeah, It's out there and it's very alarming to me. And um, Is that a recent thing or has that been around? It's been around now maybe about four or five years that I've seen on Facebook and stuff like that. That's and so weird. It's just, yeah, it's very strange. I, I can't understand like how people would think that's a good idea. So yeah, you should go with your kids. You should go to neighborhoods where you know you feel comfortable, um, like you know with people you know. You know, Halloween they can't take it away from us. If they take it away from us, dude, I'll petition. Uh, I'll do something about it. No, they they can't take it away from me. They can't. I won't no, let them. If they do, we will protest. We will run in the streets and we will go mad, dude. We will lose our minds. As we try to protect the spirit 
of Halloween. I was always fascinated with this, the beginnings, the origins of Halloween when I was a kid. I used to research it a lot, and I remember researching it. Uh, I don't know. I think I was like just able to read, and I, I thought I could read actually. And there's a street iron country. It's right over here. Actually, it's called Hollowell. And for some reason, I thought it said Halloween. And I, I, I can't remember how old I was. But for some reason, it triggered something in me that was like, I need, I need to know everything about Halloween and why they did it and the different you know versions of it. But you can't take it away from us. Can't do that. No, nah, and I, I totally that. understand the whole like the kid thing because I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a teacher, but I do a lot of like... Mm-hmm. I do after school care yep. and all that mm-hmm. on... Uh, what do you call it? It's on DeKalb. It's I know where it is. A child's place. Yeah. So I work there. I do like aftercare. I did the summer camp and all that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like if you are parking your car in a random parking lot with candy, mm-hmm. that's just screaming child predator. Like it who really else is. would do that? Still, do people still get kidnapped? Is this a thing? Yeah. Oh my God. People get kidnapped every day. Dude, where, where do you live, bro? What year? You are here. This is where I live. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I meant what year. You could be time traveling, dude. You don't know. Fourth dimensional state of mind. But have child abductions decreased since the 70s? Dude, just last week, I got an Amber Alert on my phone. I've been getting a lot more Amber Alerts. I saw that. But Did you hear that? Honest, Somebody was just whistling out there, dude. Honest, it's probably someone that knows the kid. Like, how many strange, random child abductions are there? Here? Now we're starting to sound like a true crime podcast. Well, you're talking about the abductors? Yeah, I mean, like, I just don't think it's a good idea, though. Because I, I'm not talking about, per se, the abductors, too, but it also cast conditions kids to think it's okay to go towards people's trunks because yeah. that's where candy is. Candy is such a rush when you give it to a kid. You know, you don't remember because you have done other things since to remove this sensation. But when chocolate is involved and you're very young you will do whatever man and trunks kids shouldn't be walking towards that man it's literally going against everything you teach them it's like don't go to the guy in the van saying he has candy for you strangers exactly vehicles are strangers (laughs) right yeah you ever hear the the comedian on the radio with uh talking about you grow up not wanting to talk to strangers, but now we live in a time where you find strangers on the internet and you call strangers on the internet to come pick you up to take you to some stranger's house who owns the place. To have yeah, everything's there. strangers and we don't look at each other in the eye. Every, every Uber driver is like, oh, it's custom to sit in the back. This is not a taxi cab. When Strange. I sit in the back seat, dude, of an Uber or a Lyft, I feel uneven with the weight of the vehicle or something. <laughs> I don't like being in that back seat. I'd rather be up front so I can foresee danger coming. Yeah. <laughs> No, I totally feel that. I've I been know. in the car with some crazy ass Uber drivers, man. I never forget one time you and I we played the grape room. I left separately, took an Uber with my base amp in this dude's trunk, and he was driving like a bat out of hell with all his windows down, listening to Dave Matthews cranked all the way up on seventy six, and I thought I was gonna die. I've never had like a bad experience with Uber. Mm-hmm. I feel like the only experiences I've had is just like. I don't know. They're always too talkative. And I, I get... Like, it's true. Is that like a bad thing for me to say? Because I feel like, you know, if I'm just... If I'm calling a stranger to come pick me up and take me somewhere, I'm not going to try to make small talk the entire way there. That's very true. It's just... Uh, I mean, it's weird. I was also an Uber driver. And um, it's very strange. I mean, there were some times where the people come into the car... And they would make themselves like, you know, they own my vehicle. Like, you know, they had the VIN number in hand. And they were very disrespectful. Leaning over, touching stereo. The absolute worst is when you get in a cab or an Uber driver with someone else. Yeah. And they try to dictate the behavioral pattern. When mm-hmm. it's not the Uber driver, it's not you. It's this third person who's playing like yeah. the control. And don't, don't impact like... I, you know yeah. what I mean? It's one thing to, you know, pay respect to the owner of the vehicle. It's one thing to, you know, practice sovereignty. Yeah. But to be just like this part of this like grand play by this other person, like I can't deal with that shit. It is crazy, man. Everything's so different, you know? Uber, Lyft, it's weird that just two, you know? One day there'll be like hundreds. Like on our way out, you'll live a much longer life than us. 
the greatest is mm-hmm. like if, if I were to drive down a fan right now and just be like, hey, do you need a ride? I, I would be, they would take my license plate. <laughs> <laughs> it is very strange. It is very strange. The, the, the new rules that we go by too, you know? Yes. Ah, it's, it, you know, is it my Uber driver? I don't know. It's just very strange. It just seems like ass backwards. It just seems like like everything that, that we were taught to know, they didn't reverse. They were like, nah, you're yeah. going to eat in trunks and you're getting in cars with strangers and your life is constantly in jeopardy at the expense of technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what we are all about. We're like, well, yeah, I'll give it away. I'll give my life away. As I'm recording yeah. this podcast, I have two text messages I have to get to, but I am not going to get to them. But the anxiety of knowing that I've got to get to them in the back of my mind is not the text per se it's technology technology people lose their minds with technology i think it's best to use technology to create things as a music producer i imagine you can relate to that oh yeah i mean i feel like everyone is just so consumed by the thing in their pocket just no matter what they're doing always got to take it out you know browse facebook browse Mm -hmm. twitter and i just think that i don't know it just i don't like the fact that and I'm guilty of it too. I'm not mm-hmm. perfect, but it's like people are always trying to avoid each other now. It's like they don't yeah. want any contact with anybody unless it's through their phone. And mm-hmm. it makes people need content just instantaneously. Well, okay, so you are 22, right? 21. 21. So um, you grew up per se with technology since you were a baby then, right? Yeah, I'd say I'd, yeah, for the most part. That's so Where did interesting. Where you send your first text message? Oh, well, I sent third grade, second grade. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> second grade. So, like, I was doing the whole, like, you know, wow. hit the letter or the number four, like, five times to get to the next letter. Wow. That's, that's, it's just, it's great. You know, it's so, it's just so strange that th- this happens so messaging. fast, though. It happens so instant fast. Messaging in 90. Oh my God! Instant Seven, messaging on on the AOL in the Aim. beginning when you would talk. Where are you from? <gasps> He's yes, from so. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And like you would just get so excited, man. You were like, "Sign me up! I know what I'm doing Friday night. I'm connecting with Joe from Chicago." It's weird, and that's the, that was the beginning of the decline, or maybe some would say the the upward spiral towards what. The brink of annihilation. Here we are. AI. Yeah, really? It's got to be AI, right? It's got to be out there. Yeah. I mean, we're already starting with like Siri and everything like that. It's only going to get more advanced. Yeah. It's really strange. Our phones right now are listening to this as we do this podcast. I wonder what kind of data, because we talk about all sorts of different things, you know? What do you think the bots are doing right now during this podcast? Like, I will bet money that if you scroll through Facebook or something, you're going to see like the Joker trailer just as uh, a yeah, sponsored ad. Just, I can't wait to see it. I, I just can't wait. Oh, dude, stop. I know. October 4th can't come soon enough. It's just one more thing, Barry. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Dun, dun, dun. That look. So good. I, I, I just love, like how I they're playing it. off the society thing. Like they're throwing him into so, uh, society to make him the Joker as opposed I'm, to a vat of acid. I'm always going to be down with the Joker. I was down with this Joker here. I was down with all the Jokers. I'm oh, pointing yeah. towards the Jared Leto or Leto. I'm not really sure, but I like saying Leto. I'm not sure. It's Leto, I think. Leto. I think it's Leto. But Leto. Um, yeah, like when I saw that image, everybody was like, oh, they're going to town. I was like, ah, they're going to keep doing it over and over and over again. And I think it's interesting that they did it so quick. I saw the Birds of Prey trailer today. You see that? Mm-hmm. Did you see it? The teaser or the trailer? The teaser with the it. Yeah. Forward with the balloons. That's enough of these fucking clowns. I'm over to clowns. But it's like you knew that it was coming because it says DC Comics. It would have just been better if it was like the beginning of the movie and you thought, you know? And then they rolled, you know what I'm saying? That would be like the best way to get the attention of the audience. But I thought the trailer looked kind of okay. It was okay. Yeah. It wasn't really, really compelling. Big about it, you know? I try, I've i been trying to go to the movie. I went to the movies I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you see that yet? No, but I heard a lot of mixed reviews. I really enjoyed it. We both enjoyed it. Um, I can understand for some. It is a long film. It's definitely a hang film, you know? Hang. You want to hang, dude. You want to hang out with these guys. 
driving cars. You know what I mean? Except for somebody wants the plot to keep going. But I tried to go see that, and then I really wanted to go see Far From Home, but it comes out now on digital like two weeks from now. So, I mean, I haven't got a chance to see the new Spider-Man yet. It was so so good. I know, and that's the part that's, like, I guess better for me because now I'm going to watch Spider-Man knowing that this is the last time I'm going to see Spider-Man with the MCU. See, but it... It's also going to piss you off at the same time. And you'll yeah. find out when you watch it why I say that. <clears throat> like Some Marvel films do that. Enough. They couldn't have chose like a worse time to split ties, in my opinion. Spidey. Oh, where, yeah, I mean, where, I mean, in general, though, it's like they invested everything in uh, Mr. Stark. I don't want to go. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how do you Think like... You know? Spider-Man really only lasts two movies. What's that? You know, the first Ron, Toby... Part one, part two were good, but then the third one stank. The well, every time, single part time part a two, third movie third comes one. out, it stinks. Now There's never been again, a good one, second two, sequel. There's never been a good second sequel ever that I know of. Eh, Spider-Man 2 was way better than Spider-Man 1 with Tobey Maguire. No, like, Doc the, the, I meant yes. like the third installment. Spider-Man oh. 2 is good. Um, uh, I mean, Terminator 2 is better than Terminator, but I mean, Terminator 3 sucked. Yeah. Hopefully, you see the trailer for uh, Dark Fate? The new tra- uh, Terminator yeah, I film. Mean, you know what, I know, though? man. Like they wanted to like bring back the franchise so bad, but they just made that terrible Genesis movie. <laughs> that movie was so bad, man. What about like comic book movies compared to comic books back in the nineties? Right, we were all big comic book fans, and there were comic book fans. But did anyone ever complain when like a new writer came in and changed like the? direction of the stories and the characters. I think that, no, so the thing is, like, yeah, they would complain, but or they were would... Were they re- excited? Were they like, wow, this is a new take? Right no. What yeah, would happen is people... It really depends. Stuff. Yeah. People would write letters then. It took a long time to get there, you know? People were so mad when they killed uh, Superman, you know? When they killed Superman in Superman 70, 75, I think what... I'm not sure what year that was, but... I stole Dan Nero's book. I still haven't given it back to him. I tried to give it back to him once. I went to his work and I was filming it for a segment for the Bobcast and he wasn't there. Dan, I still got uh, Superman 75. But yeah, comics, they're always going to do comics, man. There's never going to be an end to it, you know? Because they're going to run out of ideas, though. They're definitely going to run out of ideas. No, they're not. I mean, they keep doing reboots. Like a, a exactly. lot of reboots all the time. Star Wars, man. They got a lot riding on it. This last installment, you know. Unless you enjoyed the second one. Did you enjoy The, the Force Awakens? Eh. Or excuse me, uh, The Last Jedi. Appetite. <laughs> right? Is that everybody's answer to that film? Yeah, yeah like, pretty uh, much. I guess the part two was kind of like a downer. Yeah. As uh, part the old the original part two was, but in like the most bizarre downer type of way, mm-hmm. like it wasn't like oh I feel so bad. It's like wow that was really bad. But I guess that's the new like emotion is like the state. I don't fucking know. But it paralleled the second downer movie. Mm-hmm. Here we go. But yeah, the MCU it'll go on for a long time. Kevin oh, wait, Feige would be like an old fun. old man handing off the torch to some young guy. Yeah. Triple J J Abrams. So what year are you at Temple? Senior year. Senior. He's a senior. The whole uh, campus, are you? Yeah, man. <laughs> What's up? the vibe on college campuses now? You hear so much that they're like safe spaces, uh, but I recently heard that the frats in Temple just got locked down because of all the uh, you know domestic disturbances. Let's put it nicely. Well, in terms of safety, like Temple has to be. It's probably safer than the city of Philadelphia. Like, we have a bigger police force than the city of Philadelphia. So it's a very safe space. But I do have to say the party scene there is very, uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I personally, I'm not a party goer. Mm. I just, I'm not a fan of the lifestyle. Mm. Um, the orgies. <laughs> there's just, I walked into one of them, saw a lot of things I didn't want to see. And I was like, you know what? I could be uh, doing you know, way better things right now. And I walked out. That's the audience though, man. They're the ones, you know, they want the uh, good time. They want the, and I totally understand that. No, I'll provide the music for the good time, but I'm not going to like go in there and like try to get blackout drunk and all that. That's just not me. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? There's levels to the old partying. I didn't hear about the whole, uh, the frat shutdown, though. Oh, I, maybe I heard wrong. I just heard from uh, someone that was attending. They said that they locked it down last, uh, last. They say that with such vehemence. You're like, they locked it down. <laughs> you know, they, they were acting up. They. But how's, like, the culture as far as class goes? Is it, like, walking on eggshells? Is it uptight? Do people speak their mind? Is it open? Is it constrained? I guess it really depends on which uh, school you're in within Temple. Like, since I'm in the, uh, I'm in Boyer School. So, I feel like the community there is very close-knit, very tight. And for the most part, very um, supportive of each other. It's actually a very good environment for someone like me who, you know, originally I wasn't too uh, keen on the idea of actually releasing my music solo, but a lot of friends there have supported me throughout the writing process and even teachers. Like I got teachers emailing me when Mm -hmm. my uh, singles were released Mm -hmm. and it's a great feeling to know that my time there, it's not just, you know, go in there, get what I got to do, get what I got to do done Mm -hmm. and then leave. It's like, I'm making lasting connections with these people and I'm leaving impressions on them. So it feels really good, honestly. It's good when people, your peers, enjoy your work, you know. Mm-hmm. Because the song was great. It it's like so a nebula. Nebula. It's a good. It's a good way to describe describe the song. A nebula, an orchestra of sound. Mm-hmm. It's really important for that palette too, you know. Colorful blues and purples when I listen to it. Yeah, it's definitely got that psychedelic, psychedelic like. I've been talking a lot today. <laughs> it is true it is true i'd say okay. most of my influence actually comes from uh tame impala so uh, yeah that's that's literally where most of the psychedelic influence and just mm-hmm. depth of the track comes from it's fun it where you can take a song there's so many different ways to take a song rather than just the verse chorus verse you know it's mm-hmm. so many different parts you know that you could start with you know starting with the chorus, different formats. I find it interesting that there's only a certain amount of chords. There's no H. Here on the Bobcast, we wanted to start our own chord, the H H chord. The H chord. So the H chord, you know, we're taking submissions (laughs) right now. (laughs) Send them in. We had it the one night that you were like, yeah, it's almost just a little... What was the sound of the H chord? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man I forgot all about H chord until just now but yeah H chord would be the best but yeah being a musician did you ever work at you never worked at a guitar center or anything like that right I uh I almost did never worked there though yeah I wanted to really bad just for the discounts how much is the discount <sighs> it's a hefty one I think it's like 25 or 30 mm. and you gotta like work there like 7 days a week center. Mm-hmm. It would become the best guitar center in the nation. I would have to have rules, though, man. Okay. Look, here's the deal. Okay. If it's Saturday, like, I'm not gonna day. have people listen to you play guitar for a certain. Like, you know, some people go in there and they play and play, and they're so loud, can't hear nothing. Right, I would never be store. able to do that because it's just like, how long could you just shred on this guitar? The same, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, dude, chill. It's like 15 minutes in. I have to work here. Yeah. So, if I think at a bar in a guitar center, have a drink. That'd be dangerous. Danger. That'd be danger. Danger. But people get drunk and then, like, get up on stage. There's coffee in the bookstore. It's kind of like the same thing. Dude, you don't want people, you don't want people around your your retail merchandise drinking that are going to walk out with the bass or walk out with the guitar. You know, or smash a bass. Yeah, they're drinking, dude. Yeah, or smash oh it. God, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Have you ever smashed a guitar? No, but it's definitely on my bucket list. Oh yeah, it's fun. Not trying to smash any right now because I pay too much money for them and I care no. about them. But <laughs> I'd like to get like a really, like just a shitty guitar and just smash it on stage one night. Yeah. First time I smashed a guitar was. Um, <clears throat> Flacco and I had a band called Fats way back in the day. Fats with two T's. And uh, we played Pete Diorio's punk rock backyard rock show. And uh, I had bought a guitar that I could smash. And um, I didn't get it all the way in the first, you know, jab down. 
So a little, you know. How many hits did it take? I think because I was like, you know, overwhelmed with teenage angst. Uh, I think I had like smashed it down and then it didn't work and I just threw it. So then like it had like the back busted off kind of, but it wasn't fully demolished. But yeah, I mean, I remember it hurt too. I was like, damn it. But yeah, I I hope that uh, you do get uh, a band together for this project, you know, if that's your wish. Yeah, I mean, like, anyone who listens to this podcast, if you're interested, just hit me up. I'm looking for members. Looking for a bassist, a drummer. I got a guitarist lined up already to play behind me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm considering a keyboard player. It's kind of like in the realm of possibilities because I don't know if I want to use a track or have an actual player. Mm-hmm. And preferably, if you play the instrument, I'd love for you to be able to sing backing, but it's not necessarily required. That's what's up. Yeah, and um, you can contact him below. You give me an email. I'll paste it below in this episode. Um, awesome. Really look forward to hearing more music from you. Uh, we listened to it several times, and uh, it's great. And you could download it today on Spotify. You can, you know, listen to this in your car. You could listen to this at work. You could listen to this anywhere and feel feel good. I was very happy that, that you sent me the track this morning, so thank you. Oh, no problem, man. I'm really happy you enjoyed it. it and also send me the link, too, as well, and we'll put that down there. People can download it right away and, uh, and contribute. And uh, I wish you the best, dude. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show. Mickey, uh, thanks for also being the co-host uh, on these back-to-back podcasts. He's usually at work, but tonight he's here making his art in the backyard, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't be more proud of him, okay? So everybody out there in Bobcast land, we'll see you September 28th, top of the world. My name's Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. Bobcast.